After what felt like weeks, we finally pulled into the station, complete with a shiny new sign. Welcome to Gotham. It was good to be back in the city where it had all started for us, but we quickly realized that we weren't the only ones tailing the dynamic duo. The Joker, Clayface, and a few new faces were prowling the city. The rogues chased the Cape Crusader and the Boy Wonder, and we joined the hunt, but we had to wonder. Had they really changed since we'd last seen them? Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back for the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Oh man, more Batman. Um, <laughs> we, we neglected the poor guy for a long time, and Robin. Uh, that's our fault. We have three volumes worth of comics to go through today. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to move. So uh, we'll start off straight with volume three, which is between 1940 and 1941, Happy New Year. Uh, Detective Comics number 46 through 50, Batman number four and five, and World's Best, which will then later become World's Finest, but World's Best number one. Um, the Return of Hugo Strange. That's kind of neat. We also get the first appearance of the tunnel under Wayne Manor, which is kind of the Batcave, not really. It's sort of Bruce Wayne's secret entrance into his home and also the Bat headquarters. It's not really a cave. It's just kind of like the basement where him and Robin kind of make all their, their gear. Yeah, it's not fancy enough to be the Batcave yet. Right. The Bat cellar. <laughs> like, you know, where he keeps his chemistry set. The Batlurk. Yeah, the yeah, the Batlurk. The Batlarder. Um well, that's more yeah. kitchen. It's yeah. more kitchen yeah. The Return of the Joker, again. Uh, lots of guys who were believed to be dead are now returning to be criminals once more. Uh, however, well, that's the only time we'll see Hugo Strange. At right. At least through these three At volumes. least through these three volumes, because, again, he has a Disney death moment, which I don't count as a body count because I've learned, and if you don't see them and they are a name villain, they're probably going to come back. Oh, yeah. Actually, as far as I've got it tracked, that is the last time we'll see Hugo Strange. Yep. A lot of fake pirates. That's neat. Uh, guys who dress up like pirates who kind of assault regular, like, yachts. Uh, first mention of Gotham City is in issue four of Batman, which is kind of cool because we've been a nebulous city in New York, maybe New Jersey, kind of New York again, and uh, we're specifically Gotham City. So Gotham City has been named by Batman number four. So pretty early on, considering. Um, not as soon as Superman had Metropolis. Mm -hmm. Or Wonder Woman. Well, Wonder Woman is using real life places, and she had Themyscira. So, like, that's the thing. <laughs> I was going to say, like, well, I was parsing that through my head. Themyscira? Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, like, she's based in Washington. It's not mm -hmm. like there's a fake city that she's based out of. Um, we have a lot of inconsistent Batmobile usage between that red Roadster and the actual Bat car. They yeah. change a lot, and, it's, and they refer to both cars as the Batmobile, and it weirds me out. Because they'll use the Bat-like batmobile and then like the next story it'll be the red roadster and they'll say quick to the batmobile and i'm like is it camouflaged or are you just did you get knocked on the head that's not the batmobile so i don't know what's going on there batman does the superman thing where he plays football disguises somebody else to help them win a game while robin kind of sort of deals with a uh, gambling racket that was neat uh, Batman, of course, needs to have his sports time because he hasn't had it up until this point. And oh boy, does he cash in on that. <laughs> uh, the return of Clayface. And a very, very sad note. This will go in your gossip columns, everybody. Julie Madison, the actress, and Bruce Wayne have now officially split. They've called off their engagement. Ladies, get ready. Bruce Wayne is now an eligible bachelor again. But Julie Madison is off to Hollywood and she has a new changed name and everything. And she goes and uh, becomes a movie star. Because she says that if Bruce is insistent on doing pretty much nothing with his life, 
she's going to call the engagement off. Which is a very sound thing to do for a woman when confronted with a man who basically does nothing. It is, however, it's interesting that the very next introduced love interest does not make that a point of contention at all. Right, and we will get to her. (laughs) Uh, I I, I spoilered. Not really, but but it's it's interesting. Robin uses rocket skates. (laughs) That's right! Against these guys who dress up like devils and they refer to themselves as the three devils. They're like acrobats who steal stuff. Uh, P.S. Batman and Robin kill those dudes straight up. Robin knocks one of them off of a clock tower, and Batman knocks two of them off of the bell tower within the clock tower down to the first floor of the clock tower. Those are dead people. Those are straight dead people. Joker again, uh, he has a themed gang, which are people with nicknames that are card-like, so he kind of... It's almost like the Royal Flush Gang. I thought they were going for it, but they didn't. In this gang, there is a woman who they refer to as the Queen... Um, she finds out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but which of course means that she dies. However, in the finale of the story, like they're all on a burning boat, the Joker sets a light and leaves them all for dead. Batman knocks out the big guy, club, the, the club representative, who's just a big burly guy who uses clubs. He knocks him out. The queen shoots the king because he's going to like try and kill her to get out. And then she also dies from something. Uh, I think he stabs her while she, sh- while she shoots him. She dies, and I realize that Batman and Robin leave that boat, but they left the dude, the club dude, in that burning boat. They leave him in there. That's a ding. Like, you straight up left that man to die. That There is everything but hand-on-the-trigger kind of deaths in this right now. So, I I count that one, because I specifically reread those pages a lot, just to be like, am I missing? Nope, that guy never comes back. You see him get punched out the back of a panel by Batman, and you never see him again, and that whole boat is on fire, and they watch it sink into the ocean. That guy is dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Batman and Robin get transported into fairy tale land? That's a neat story. They fight a dragon. That's cool, I guess. Who did we have? Didn't they, weren't they the one, uh, the other hero that had uh, another fairy tale one? I, I feel like that was in one of the It was uh, Robin, it was Robin having yeah, a dream yeah. uh, while he was like reading. And he has a dream about going into fairy tale stories. It's very Good strange. Memory. Robin almost dies during a gang warfare storyline and Batman loses his shit. Like yep. he goes almost on a murderous rampage and almost kills these gangsters in vengeance, then finds out that the doctor that he has brought Robin to, whom he tells, P.S., if you don't save this boy's life, I will kill you with, with my bare hands. Could, you know, way to keep a cool head, Batman. And the guy saves Robin's life and also Batman's life, because in the ensuing fighting, Batman gets injured a lot, and oh boy, like, oh my god, Robin, you're alive. It's, it's really interesting that they, they've started to show the Batman-Robin relationship get really tighter and tighter and tighter. Hello, nurse! Linda Page! Uh, Linda Page is the new love interest that Bat mentioned. She is a high society gal who has decided to become a nurse to help people in low-income neighborhoods. You know, good on you, lasagna. She gets really into Bruce. Not really sure why. Bruce doesn't really have a whole lot to offer other than just being a nice guy. And she and him start kind of dating it's not really clear but they end up just seeing each other a lot and i just assume that they are dating and she's the new love interest because bruce seems really taken with her mm-hmm. and that's kind of the, the last important thing in volume three volume four isn't all entirely in 1941 it's detective comics 51 through 56 batman number six through seven world's finest two and three bruce continues to tag along with jim gordon in an entirely inappropriate way onto detective and police investigations because again he is a civilian and why is he being run along in one of these investigations, 
we see Wong, the mayor of China, the unofficial mayor of Chinatown's dad, because remember, Wong got killed back in the old episodes that we did. And we see his dad now serving the new unofficial mayor of Chinatown, who's a prick. But the dad helps Bruce out, or Batman out, and everything's cool. Uh, P.S. in the last volume, they killed four people between them. Uh, Robin killed one, Batman killed three. Batman convinces an entire city to pretend that a depressed actress is actually really, really famous and successful just to fool her parents into thinking she's doing very well. How nice. And the girl eventually gets a bunch of gigs because of this. Mm-hmm. Weird. Weird story. Weird use of Batman and Robin's times and effort. It's it's a rich people story. Yeah, well, it's, she's not really rich, neither are her but, parents. But the people indulging her are rich. It That kind of... Uh, oh, isn't it a lock? Yeah, it's, it's very much... Um, these people feel bad for this poor woman. Poor in unfortunate and poor in also currency. Um... They stop a gang that breaks guys out of jail and then uses the guys that they break out of jail with blackmail to be like, oh, now you have to do crime for us. That's more Batman. There's a clockmaker who's obsessed with time and killing off people who are wealthy because they, quote-unquote, kill time. He calls them murderers. Uh, Robin kills that guy. Robin throws him out of a clock tower. Robin likes to throw a lot of people off of high places. It's very strange. He doesn't do the killing. He lets the floor do the killing. Yeah, but he certainly puts them in the in, on the right train there. <laughs> on the right train to hell. Uh, there's an oil tycoon story with Linda's dad. We kind of see what Linda's, where Linda's money comes from. He's an oil tycoon. There's a guy kind of trying to muscle him out of uh, his land. Batman and Robin end up helping there. They both kill people in that instance. Robin specifically turns a man's gun on him and lets the guy pull the trigger. Damn. That's on the Instagram if you want to look that up. <laughs> that shit is real. Like, that's some, that's some like, Dirty Harry stuff right there for an 11-year-old. I'm not going to lie for a second there. When you said it's on Instagram, I just had this momentary flash of Robin, like, taking a selfie. With like, a dead guy? With, with the dead guy. <laughs> just, like, it's got that little uh, text strip at the bottom. Hashtag, Dumbass killed himself. Hashtag ding. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to need that. Someone draw that for me. Uh, Batman boxes? To help throw off some suspicion in a boxing ring of uh, betting. That's... Gotta do the Superman stuff. He's hitting all the high notes. Scarecrow's first appearance. Scarecrow, Jonathan Crane, is a professor who likes to teach people about fear. And gets really too far into it. Eventually realizes that he can scare people into giving him money so he can buy more books. And that's his motivation. He wants books. So he commits heinous crimes for money... To buy books. He doesn't even do it with much style. Like, I'm going to talk about this yeah. at one point later on, but it's literally just, I can make people afraid of me. So he pulls a gun on people. Yeah, but yeah. It's, okay. Yeah, that's going to make people it's afraid. Effect. Not very thematic, but effective. No, that's the thing. There's no style, <laughs> but it's efficient. It's no style, all substance. Uh, Batman proves Bruce Wayne innocent in a nice kind of mistaken identity storyline, but in the ensuing plot... Batman and Robin officially get made honorary members of the GCPD by commission. Uh, by is it commissioner? I think it's Commissioner Gordon. Bottom line, they're cops now, mm-hmm. and that happens in Batman number seven. So that's like kind of the most important thing that comes out of this volume is we finally see Batman and Robin getting deputized, which is what you see in the 1966 television show. They are oh, actually yeah, deputies of the that. law. Um, volume five, 1941 to 1942, Detective Comics 57 through 61, Batman eight and nine and world's finest number four hey look at that remember when i said new writers we have two new writers we got joseph green and jack schiff joseph green will end up writing detective number 59 
and Jack Schiff will end up writing Detective Number 60. Now, here's an interesting thing. In the uh, regular Bill Finger work that he's doing here, um, he creates the Penguin and introduces the Penguin for the first time, who is essentially just a small, portly man dressed in a tuxedo who steals things with an umbrella that does have gimmicks, which mm -hmm. I was like, that's cool that they yeah. kept that. And then Joseph Green ends up writing the second appearance of the Penguin. Not Bill Finger. But that's interesting to me. That I didn't see a difference in the story. Yeah, both of those appearances felt very tonally consistent. Right. So either Joseph Green is really good at mimicking Bill Finger's style, or Bill Finger was there kind of guiding him along to help him. Because presumably, Bill Finger is also writing Green Lantern, The mm -hmm. Sandman, and probably some other comics. So he's doing other stuff. Can't write everything. This might be the first time that they realize, hey, Bill, you know, you're stretched a little thin. Why don't we let some of these other guys fill in? You just tell them what to do. And maybe that's what's going on. I'm just speculating. Um, Professor Radium is a villain that shows up, a guy who's essentially experimenting with radium to see if he can bring dead tissue back to life. Doesn't work out so well for him. He ends up killing a lot of people. Go figure. The Ghost Gang of cowboys which are just really really speedy bandito guys who end up using like a gyrocopter to get from place to place so it's not really that they're ghosts they're just really clever mm -hmm. in batman number nine batman and robin see a cartoon about them i thought that was neat because that adds uh ammunition to my theory that is different than the superman cartoon and i will go into that uh they also save christmas for a bunch of orphans that's a nice sweet little Batman and Robin saved Christmas story. And then uh, Robin gets a little depressed because they spent all time saving Christmas for other people that didn't have time for themselves. And they walk into Commissioner Gordon's house where Linda Page is waiting for them. And the two of them surprise Batman and Robin with Christmas. Hooray. Uh, also, Jack Schiff's story is a second Joker story, which uh, is actually also very tonally similar to Bill Finger's work. And I thought that was really cool. So both Joe Green and Jack Schiff are really consistent in the work that they do and are very good at what they do. And I thought that was just neat to know that there wasn't like a, a, a quality drop in the comics. Mm -hmm. So that's it for our summary. Uh, real quick, because I now that I, I mentioned it, I want to go into it. So remember with that Superman comic where he sees the movie about himself that knows way too much information, that it's like a bunch of plot points where he has to like convince Lois not to watch it because it shows him being Clark Kent? I do in fact remember that. Okay. Same world. The Batman cartoon does not show any information that the reader knows, only information that a news person would know. Huh. It does not show them being Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. You're right. So, that. that makes the Superman thing an anomaly and even weirder to me now. And that makes my theory more sound, in my opinion, because thematically across the, across mm -hmm. the company now, we have seen that, like, again... Wonder Woman has a movie made about her that does not talk about Diana Prince. Batman and Robin have newsreel cartoons about them that do not reference Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. Why the fuck does Superman have a movie about him? Because that's funnier. And that's the thing is like yeah. that's and that bothers me is that they did it they did it for the yucks and they didn't and they didn't keep it consistent. And I'm just like mm. but I'm just saying in this world now we have two instances for and one against. Fair, fair. <laughs> and that's and that's why I went on the tirade that I did mm. because we have those two situations where it's like okay there's something different here also because I'm a glutton for punishment I like to listen to my old uh, podcasts so I can learn how to edit better or learn what sounds good I stumbled across something that you and I kept referencing that I think we were referencing and using it for different reasons but saying it and thinking the other meant the same thing 
Mm-hmm. Year one syndrome. Probably. So, I refer mm-hmm. to year one syndrome for the character as a, as an in-world thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, and that's the thing is, yeah, I'm no, referring no, no, to year no. one syndrome as I will allow a character in the first year of the stories to screw up because they're bad at what they do. You, however, refer to year one syndrome for the writers. Yeah. Uh, just generally, <laughs> nothing quite counts in the first year because there's always so much change and they haven't quite figured out who they want the character to be. Right. Yeah. So that's so okay. that was the yeah, difference yeah. in how we're using that, which is why sometimes we have those disagreements mm-hmm. where I'm like, no, 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 that's your one syndrome. You're like, yeah, it's the same thing. I'm like, no, there's a difference. Like, there's <laughs> we have that. Yeah. It was we, it was uh, same phrase being used in two different mm-hmm. ways. Also, there is a parade for Batman and Robin that's in right, one of these yeah. volumes, which is super weird, just because they're like, hooray, you guys are amazing, and you're called to Washington by Jay. It's like Edgar Mover, which is just supposed like to be that. something. Yes. It's supposed to be J. Edgar Hoover calls them mm. to Washington for a parade to be like, "Congrats, you guys are awesome." Um, it is interesting, like seeing stuff from <laughs> from what thirty odd years uh, before people really started getting a feel for how much of a sleaze bag hoover was like right. when it's just like oh he's the paternal uh, father of the fbi it's like no 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 he was the guy who's blackmailing right <laughs> but exactly. it's interesting seeing those different era portrayals right and i made a joke about that uh, not so much the hoover thing but the fact that batman and robin are in a parade in daylight uh, that's yeah. weird yeah there's and... no issue with daylight in these stories although a lot of the stories do take place at night so well some of them but, yeah. the, some of them happen during the day you see batman and robin you see at least bruce and dick things mm-hmm. happen during the day oh, but yeah. most everything else happens presumably at night right. do they sleep um but i made a joke uh on both the instagram and twitter about like wow it's really weird seeing them at a parade during the daytime and a user on twitter mentioned well what about the batman movies and i said Huh. And I had to, like, really think. I don't... Other than the Batman 66 movie and television show, those primarily don't have any shenanigans with Batman during the day. Really? Yeah. I like, feel like The Dark Knight had a goodly amount during uh, the day. Which one? The Dark Knight. Mm, but no, like, Batman Batmaning. There's no I, Batmaning I thought there during was. the day. Like, I I'm, I'm, I'm visualizing the car chase, and I feel like that's But that's Bruce Wayne. No, well... So there's no. no, there's the car no, chase. There's the, the, car the one chase that the ends with him and the Joker. No, that's at night. Come on, come on, hit me. That's at that's night. Really? Yeah. Okay, it's just, it's, I, I remember it's, it being bright in my head. It's, well, it's because it's Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they're also in the tunnels, which have all those lights. It's it's decidedly at night. All right. Especially because they pull things across the, the buildings to uh, string up the helicopter, and they mm-hmm. can't see him because it's dark. Huh. I'd forgotten about that. Um, so, right. but... In those movies, like, there's tons of Bruce Waning during the day. Mm-hmm. There is no, to my knowledge, unless you count The Dark Knight Returns, and I don't, because the... And that one's also, after everything explodes and there's no sense of normalcy. Right. I mean, I don't really count that movie for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, but there's no, like, Batman doing, like, hi, I'm also Batman, you know, like, hello, Commissioner, other than the Adam West TV show and film. Mm-hmm. And it just, it struck me really interesting... Really, just be like, that's a weird thing. I would feel weird seeing Batman during the day. Um, I've also gone through a big phase over the last, I want to say, week um, with Batman. I'm trying to really pin down what it is about Batman that I do like. When he is portrayed more human and less 
parents and brooding and depression um i find him just easier to read not that there can't be characters who are um suffering in that way i find however characters that are continually suffering that never improve don't offer to, and a lot mm-hmm. as far as story growth goes and that's what usually bothers me about batman is batman that, is rarely allowed to change too much right and i don't i don't think that's fair um because this character is so beloved and so important to so many people i feel like keeping him broken is a disservice to both the character as well as the fans because they focus on the broken nature of him Mm. and while yes it is completely admirable that batman strives to persevere through his um depression and his um angst and his somewhat argue sociopathy it's it's admirable it's still denial He's still and, in and, denial, and he's still refusing to get help, despite everyone around him who loves him trying to get him help. And I think that's not good. It also just means he isn't changing. Like, character growth is a hugely engaging and interesting part of storytelling. Right. And especially on a meta standpoint of the idea of, super, of uh, Batman, rather than, like, particular portrayals, Batman as a concept doesn't grow and, much. Right, and I I find that disappointing. Mm-hmm. I think that's there, really there is an inherent an inherent failure that Batman will always have unless they're willing to throw some big shit out. Right, and I understand that that would fundamentally change the character and they're they're afraid that that would make him not readable anymore or not appealing to the character to the audience that he has created because batman in a sense has affected the entire genre of superheroes so changing the one who did that would is mm-hmm. scary i get it I, i'm not faulting anybody for not changing batman however i just wish we tried mm-hmm. just and, to and just, one way or another the fact that he isn't changing means you're less interested. Right. Which is entirely that's, valid. And that's really what it is is he doesn't change and his villains don't change and at a certain point, it's the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I can only yep. be so impressed by him doing that thing before I start realizing the cracks are there. And that's why I'm so much more a fan of the Bat Family. Because the Bat yes. Family has really... Absolutely. Like, I'm, I was just running through that in my head, like, as you were saying that. The Bat Family really has been allowed to change a yeah. lot. Everybody Tim grows Drake become, split, uh, Splitting to a degree and becoming the Red Robin... Uh, Jason Todd coming back, and Dick having his whole, like, grow up, and then also, like, the thing that sticks in my mind is the time he killed Blockbuster, and it's, like, not really being sure if he is going to be Batman, and then is Batman, and then isn't. Like, I feel like the Bat family really does change over time. Even Damien's grown, because he's now, I I think, a part of the Teen Titans. Um, Really? Yeah. Who else is on that roster? Um, I, I have to check. I don't know the new roster, but I think Damien is a part of that. Um, cool. I would say the, I would say that Jason Todd has grown because Red Hood and the Outlaws was a... He probably has. Like, I just haven't followed him. Right. I mean, he's, he's also not terribly appealing to me either. Um, Tim is the Red Robin. So, yeah, I mean, like, everybody's grown. Even, uh, Barbara. Yeah. Like, they were willing to, to change a 20-year-old status quo. Which, Um, you know, props for at least the guts. And it, and it worked. Primarily, um, heard, yeah. yeah uh, Orphan and Batwoman are constantly shifting characters that go. Mm-hmm. They they have believable emotional storylines, which I really like too. Batman remains the same. 
And and to a certain extent, yes, that is the foundation of the family. You need mm-hmm. to have the bedrock for all of that to stay on. And I think also because they don't go all in with character development with Batman, whenever mm-hmm. they, they tease it, it feels disingenuous to me. Because then I can be I like, I know you're not going to do this. Like, why are you having him have this moment? Because it, it, at the end of the day, it's not going to pay off. And that kind of frustrates me. So that's one of the things I'm interested. Like, we mentioned we're not always great about keeping up like with what's coming out right now because frankly comics are expensive and I've, we're already buying old comics i've been trying you you, you bought a whole bunch of rebirth yeah uh, the thing that i'm thinking of right now is uh him proposing to selena and if that actually goes through that could change a lot because my my read of their relationship has always been like she makes him more stable she is a check on him and makes him better. If that becomes like the new, uh, meta. yeah, the new, yeah, the new meta, then I I'll be fascinated to see that because the way that the way that Dick Grayson re- reacts and works with a Bruce who is settled is so different from how he works with Bruce Wayne. Fuck this shit. I I'm, I'm leaving. Out. Yeah. <laughs> now conversely, I have again, as Matt said, gone out of my way to buy a lot of the contemporary right now, New 52, uh, I almost said New 52, um, Rebirth books, specifically Justice League related. So uh, Superman, Action Comics, Batman, Detective Comics, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, Green Lantern. Uh, oh my God, read Aquaman. Don't, I will continue mm-hmm. until you do read Aquaman. But I, I went right after reading Flash, Green Lantern, then Aquaman to Batman. And... Batman, the, the the solo book is interesting because it, it adds a couple new characters and it and it it's very symbolic and that is what I expected. However, Detective Comics is so much better. It's so good. It is a story where Batman essentially recruits Batwoman, Cassandra Kane, his cousin. Um, because Martha Wayne was actually Martha Kane, so it's his mother's brother's daughter. So they're the same age. Cassandra Kane? Or oh, Kate Kane. Okay. Kate Kane, because Cassandra Kane is orphan. <laughs> because God forbid we not have multiple people with different no. spellings of the name Kane. Right. But he, uh. he recruits Cat or Batwoman to become basically the, the, the bat strike team in Gotham. And he says you need spoiler, red robin, orphan and Clayface and it's really interesting because there's a lot of it focuses primarily on Batwoman and Red Robin but the primary overarching plot is pushed through Batman's investigation so he's involved but he mostly moves the story along while the regular while everybody else is all the interpersonal drama and the growth and the real fighting and all the cool stuff and the evolution um in that time, Batman struggles. Yes, Batman is Batman and he has something for everything, but they show him struggling. They show him, they showcase that he is prepared for everything, that he is really good at what he does. But it, yeah, he can get knocked down, but he knows when it's smart to retreat. You know, I, I liked a more human version of Batman, a more emotionally in touch with the members of the team, how he has these certain specific moments with these with these characters, and it and he, he fucking smiles. I like a Batman that is a little bit more human, that isn't just I am the knight. 
So if you are looking for contemporary stuff that has Batman in it, if what I have been talking about at all appeals to you, I would say pick up Detective Comics, the new Batman run in Detective Comics. And again, I'm not knocking people enjoying what they're enjoying now of Batman or how people enjoy Batman currently. It's just, I guess it's because of Batman's popularity. I, I want him to be better because he's so popular. I want him to be the best of the books. It'd be like a Halo or a Pokemon game coming out and it being trash. Yeah, like you want you want the most popular thing to be of great quality. And that's really what it is. Like I understand that Batman's popular for a lot a lot of reasons and for good reasons. But I that doesn't mean I don't want him to be better because I want everyone to have the best of what they enjoy. That's kind of for me that's what I want. I want you all to have the best version of what you have of, of what you love so that it is perfect for you. And while, while my opinion of what is perfect may not be what you think is perfect, that's just how I look at it, is I, I want you to have the best thing. I'm not trying to, like, tear it down for you. Because we've been reading so much Batman, that was a character yeah, I'm, not, I'm not terribly in tune with. I was trying to, I was trying really hard to be like, okay, let's, me as a person, sit down and, like, go, why is this a problem for me? Mm -hmm. Just... So that, so that I wouldn't rain on anybody's parade while doing this podcast. Because I didn't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like, this is garbage and shit because Batman sucks. Because, like, that's, you don't want to hear that. You don't listen to the podcast. But <laughs> like, that's not fair. I'm, you're a captive audience. You'd turn it off if, if that was what was going on. But if I can present a way for you to think about it differently that can make you, I don't know. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin something for you, but make you desire for something better. I think mm -hmm. that inspires somebody. I don't know. Maybe yeah, that's earnest just, critique. Yeah. I would, I would rather, I'd rather say something about it that is constructive than just be like, oh shit, I don't like him, and fuck, Superman's better, you know, like that's, it's not how I'm gonna be about on this podcast, and, and you're not that way either, which mm -hmm. is good too. Speaking of, you have like a spreadsheet. Uh, I do actually have the spreadsheet, but I also have three and a bit pages of notes. Let's do it. Let's 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 go. All right. So I'm going to start with a fun observation just to uh, set the mood. Uh, how do I know that I'm bougie? Uh, <laughs> first thing that I thought when I saw Robin smash a bass fiddle or a double bass over a crook's head was mm. how expensive that is. Yeah. Those oh. are those are not cheap. Yeah, big band <laughs> instruments are. Uh, they cost a pretty penny, sir. Oh yeah. All right, let's see. Um, so pick between uh, Batman elitism, writing quality, or art quality, or supervillains. Writing quality. Okay. I think is I think is the uh, the, the discussion we just had. <laughs> sure. Uh, I was not impressed by the quality of the writing here, especially on the moment to moment basis. Like setting aside overall storytelling quality, ability to craft a coherent narrative. Like, just some of the moment-to-moment -moment writing is just garbage. And specifically, there are going to be a couple examples, but I'm going to start off with this one, uh, because we touched a little bit on it uh, through the uh, plot summary, but Siegel knew how to write for impact, and I'm not sure Bill Finger does. So, the story that you mentioned, where Robin is briefly assumed, or presumed dead. Mm -hmm. Batman goes from discovering Robin is dead, mourning him, becoming a force of vengeance, then learning Robin is still alive... That is five panels. Yeah. Like, okay, then he goes off on yeah. his rampage, but he learns that Robin is still alive after five panels. It's like the last two panels of a page, flip page, three more panels. It's not like they're giant panels. There's no splash page or anything. It's just, 
oh god, everything is ruined, and it's played up like, oh, this is gonna be like a big thing, like, and then at the end of the issue, like, Robin will barely be alive or something. No, no, it's that short. I was surprised. Okay, now we get into like bad lines. So th- actually, from the same story, uh, Batman quipping, "Pull that trigger, and one of those loose ends will be a rope around your neck." It's like, <laughs> no, the point of a hanging is that the rope is not loose, Bruce. I'm sorry. Just, uh, I'm going to go through a couple of those uh, because there are so many quips. Yeah, like. Every punch comes with an attempted joke. It's, Bill Finger loves those. Yeah, you you it, you loved that when we started. You know what? Like in a slim dosage, it's great. When it when the jokes work, it's great. Proves my point again. You can't do the same thing over and yep. over and over again and not expect it to get old. Literally the same thing. <laughs> because in addition to seeing like Perfect Strike a bunch, we literally see multiple issues. Uh, Batman used the phrase. Taste heal, heal, where, when he true. kicks somebody. It's that almost word for word, that line. Uh, perfect strike, taste heal, heal. Oh, this is this one's just bad. So this is writing that's just sloppy. Batman talking with uh, the Scarecrow. Batman says, hi, ugly. Batman follows up after, uh, like, Scarecrow either takes a punch at him or shoots him. You missed. Strike one. Stupid clod. Not nice calling people names. You literally just called him ugly, Batman. That is true. It's, yeah, just stuff like that where it's, did you not, I mean, honestly, this is why they needed another writer. I like, hope so. I, I, I'm entirely willing to believe that Bill Figger is just like, okay, this whole chunk, this is just combat banter, and ba 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 done. It, yeah. it really does make it impressive that Deadpool it. and Superman, when written well, make that work. Because that's actually, like, combat banter is not easy. No. All right, uh, art, Batman, elitism, or supervillains? Uh, let's go with art. Uh, so backgrounds being flat colors and just like, okay, you've got character, character superimposed over a flat color uh, instead of like a drawn background. Uh, that's something that we saw in Superman, but the color choices here are just garish. Yeah. Maroon, green with a yellow outline around the people who are fighting. Uh, page 50, I think in volume 3. In three fully detailed panels, the sky is three different colors. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? Also, Bob Kane's circle fetish is in full effect. Oh, yeah. Like, I actually kind of wanted to do, like, a count of how many shots are circle with action inside or, uh, like, a shadow, like, someone casting a shadow and at, when action is going on. Like, Batman holding someone up by the labels, lapels of their shirt and just the shadow in the background. Yeah. They do that a lot. We also get uh, just a note, I forgot to mention this, the classic Batman cap, like cape in front of the face, like kind of Dracula oh, yeah. pose. We get that a lot right now. Um, like Bob Kane has figured out how to do that and is in <laughs> love with that pose. That, when Robin does it, it's not as intimidating. Not even remotely. <laughs> also, like Robin's thing, like I think they're, I think they're lenses. Like he's got holes in his little uh, domino mask. Uh, and I assume that they're lenses, but it's still like you don't see his eyes. Uh, you just kind of see like the outline, uh, which to me says, is are they just flesh-colored lenses? What is going on here? It's very strange. I don't, I don't really want to think about it nope, that much. That's don't, gross. Don't. It's gross. I don't want to know <laughs> about that. It's a bad idea to think too much about that. Um, now, 
Let's talk a little more specifically. Something that is niche and appropriate to my interests. Yes. Sword fights. Mm. So, uh, former fencer. Yeah. Uh, specifically, uh, I was a saber fencer. Collegiate level, right? Yeah. I, I was NC2A. He's the, yeah. he's the shit over here. Yeah. <laughs> he's the real deal. I never went to nationals, but... Still, uh, that's but, more... but the school was... Uh, so, UC San Diego has a very good fencing program. Uh, on the West Coast, basically it's... Like, if you're talking West Coast, which you'd include Colorado, because mm-hmm. realistically that's the West when it comes to fencing, it's us, Stanford, and uh, the Colorado Air Force Academy. Nice. And Arizona State. Bottom line, you did it at a competitive level that is more than just somebody in their room yeah. and who looks at YouTube videos about fencing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, I mean, the other thing worth noting is NC2A uh, fencing, there aren't enough schools that do nc2a fencing for it to be separate divisions so hey apparently i was a div one athlete effectively there you go yeah, that's <laughs> life is strange that's a real but thing it's important i call myself a fencer and not an athlete because depending on how hardcore you go they can be two different things yes that is true however that is fairly uh true. one way or another i know some things about sword fights and th- we mentioned pirates there was a sword fight with a pirate uh so important thing if you're gonna draw an attack in a sword fight Always ask yourself what would happen if the other guy didn't parry. Both of the shots of Steel clashing in the Batman and Blackbeard fight are them with their hands low, arms not extended, and their blades at like a 30 to 60 degree angle. The only purpose of that visual is to show Steel on Steel with both of the fighters being intense. There's no there's no conceivable like actual attack or defense happening there. It's just two, two people like holding their uh, swords together and saying, isn't this pretty? Uh, sword fights aren't patty cake, where contact between hands or swords is the point. Sword fights are about attacking towards the other person themselves. You only attack the other person's blade if that would help you towards attacking the person, like beating their blade out of position, or to prevent them from counterattacking in time. Like, the ideal sword fight from any uh, fighter's perspective involves no blade-on-blade contact because you're just running at the other person, or one way or another, getting the first attack and they're dead. Always ask, what's the point of the action that you're showing? Which actually, I guess, is a good, like, just in general, combat question. Right. Period. All right. Supervillains or elitism or Batman? I'm going to end on supervillains. So let's do elitism and Batman. Well, there's also more fun observations. Okay. Yeah. But. Well, just of of the (laughs) ones that you gave me, I'd like (laughs) to to end with the villains and then go to the more fun. Sounds good. More fun comics. (laughs) All right. Uh, Batman for a little bit. These are thoughts that I had while trying to think about Batman and Civil War and Civil War Two and Inhumans vs. X-Men and Batman v Superman and turns out there's a whole lot of superhero conflict as like the major stories lately. Huh. Weird. But thinking about Batman as a character with regards to those kinds of stories and with regards to like future kind of stories. First off, Batman is the thing that occurred to me. Batman is the only member of the Trinity who's a mortal. Like, just straight up. Uh, like, technically, Clark yeah. is probably technically mortal. However, he's also deified. So, of course, he's the only one who's consistently portrayed as having a family. Like, people he's who are his legacy. Like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. That actually makes some sense. Also, a thing that... Actually, we kind of touched on this a little bit. So, you had... As an issue that you have the the lack of character growth, 
I'm going to f- sort of focus in on one particular part of that. Like the joke of uh, Bruce Wayne has all those billions, spends all those billions on his equipment and Batman adventures instead of spending it on education, on social welfare, etc., etc. And that is still like logically inconsistent. However, there's a thematic resonance and consistency with another thing that I found really interesting. Uh, so... It's megalomania. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne could spend billions on education, instead spends it on Batman's adventures. Only he can save the world. Batman has a plan for everything, but he doesn't share it unless it becomes absolutely necessary. Only Batman can be trusted with the information. Batman could build institutions or courts or something to regulate superhero activity. Instead, he has a plan to kill everyone in case they go out of control. That megalomania that it has to be me resonates really well between those three factors. Uh, and to relate it more directly to the idea of I need to be ready in case Superman ever goes rogue, I think there are three ways to prevent bad action by any party. And in this case, we'll say uh, to prevent, uh, to protect against a superhero going rogue. But realistically, you could look at any major figure of power and how you keep them from bad actions. Uh, but you can either train the person to always take the right action. Uh, You can threaten them or take them out if they go out of line, or you can build institutions that regulate their behavior. Uh, Those institutions can be either formal or informal, like how we have the 22nd Amendment, or you can just have it be strongly frowned upon to go more than two terms. Batman is always written as taking that that second option uh, to threaten people or take them out if they're going to go out of line. Uh, You never have... uh, in the Dark Knight Returns, you don't have Batman saying, let's get all the superheroes together and sit down and talk with Superman and figure out, like, hey, uh, what what are our protections against you going across lines? No, he has a kryptonite ring. Uh, same deal with BVS. Mm-hmm. Hooray. And so, first off, Batman is always written as taking that second option, and that is thematically consistent. But then I expanded from there to the other members of the Trinity. Uh, and it makes sense that none of the other members of the Trinity would build institutions either because uh superman they're perfect and immortal and figuratively they're parents of the group uh superman and wonder woman would certainly do oversight of a team like the teen titans that's why you like young justice i really like that idea of okay we've got uh dina 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 god damn it like a diner Diner. yeah yeah no Fuck it. Uh, Dinah as the combat teacher who can regulate. You have uh, the Martian Manhunter as the team, like, monitor. Uh, Red Tornado. Red Tornado, yeah. True, yeah. Well, he's the in-house security system. (laughs) Yeah. Because Martian Manhunter plays more of a role, too, just Mm -hmm. being there as well, like, as a extra person. Mm -hmm. So you 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 were right. So that kind of thing they can absolutely set up, but for them, like, an a team of their age and like respect level uh you wouldn't see anything like that for the jla there would never the extent of the institutions of the jla is like everybody sitting around a table and saying they're in or they're out and having conversations they don't have like any instance where they're saying okay are we concerned about any of us really getting out of line what's our protocol for that hmm like, There's Batman's this... protocol is, I have a list that says how I take people out or how I respond to any situation. Everybody else will respond if it happens. They won't plan, like, processes. Right. I, I actually think that that's 
part of what's missing from all of these superhero conflict stories is planning for those kinds of things, building institutions that can manage it instead of just off the cuff, just like, okay, shit, we gotta, we gotta handle their, uh, Ulysses is seeing future stuff. Uh, uh, we've got registration act instead of that conflict being mediated in, in any way. It's, uh, let's just fly off the handle. Uh, let's do stuff. I think if you were to have like an institution, maybe something even as simple as a superhero academy system or a vetting process for going up through the ranks, I guess a superhero farm system, like baseball style, mm. <laughs> uh, it would come from the younger generation because I could totally see Dick or Barbara putting something like that together because it's, no, I know, I'm I'm not in, I'm not perfect Batman. I know, like, I need other people to be able to vet my decisions. I need to know if, if I'm uh, going to go rogue or if someone else is going to go rogue, I can't just, like, have a perfect plan to stop them. We need plans. That would require Batman admitting that he was wrong. That's the thing, yes. Uh, so that's Batman stuff. I'm going to skim through this because it's quick. Uh, elitism. A lot of it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And it's the wrong kind. Uh, this is going to touch on noblesse oblige. Uh, so for those who don't know what that is, that's the idea. Basically, nobility comes with responsibilities. Okay. It's the idea, okay, you are a French noble in the 14th century. That means you have obligations. There are certain, You are supposed to behave a certain way. You are supposed to do certain things uh, for the people around you. You are supposed to be generous. And it's kind of bullshit because it, it is historically used as a justification for, oh, we do these things, that's why we have all the money. Mm. Uh, but on the, at the same time, there is that idea of, hey, you have money, you have power, with great power comes great responsibility, all that good stuff. Uh, and here we have a bunch of rich people who don't do that. Yeah. Specifically, the thing that bugs me is the rich people who get shown the error of their ways, like rich people acting poorly. We have uh, one of these stories. There's the guy, uh, the kid who's not doing great with his dad, mm -hmm. and he hits somebody while driving and is facing charges because he ran someone over. Yeah, uh, you do. <laughs> and then and then Batman helps fix some things, and his patch, they, uh, he and his dad patch their relationship up, and the dad pays for the medical bills and gives a job to the dad of that other family, and all of the problem goes away. And the kid who has found... He's had his come-to-Jesus moment. He's, right. He is fulfilled. He knows that he is going to be a good person, and he goes out and he plays music. Like... Music is great. If you're if the if your life dream is to go play music, great. However, I mean, you just skated your way through a major felony yeah. without consequences, and the thing you're gonna do for the world is play music. Yeah, you got rewarded. You got to live out your life dream. You're not like doing philanthropy yeah. or whatever. But Linda Page is great because she's the rich person who's like, no, I am working in this poor district and uh, a nurse, if I'm remembering yep. rightly. But all these other characters, like, I found my dream. I'm, I am all healed. Everything is better. I am not going to discriminate against middle class people when they try to uh, marry my daughter. Right, pretty much. Uh, so supervillains, we've got, I think, just three. Joker, Clayface, Penguin, Clayface, Scarecrow. Right. I guess Clayface. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll count him. Uh, he is of the rogues gallery. Yeah. I count him. This is mostly looking at, like where they are relative to, like, the modern versions of them. 
Uh, Scarecrow, like I kind of already said my piece on this one, uh, you have a fixation with fear and you pull a gun on a guy to inspire fear. So, no, this is not yet the Scarecrow we know. There's yeah. certainly elements, but it's not like... Fear gas and yeah. jazz. Yeah. And, and it's also not like, uh, like a relationship with fear. He's just kind of... He's obsessed in a very, like, poo-poo away kind of thing, where it's just like, oh, he's, fear is just his gimmick, as compared to, oh, oh, you're into fear. Like, fear is your shit. Fear yeah. is your drug. Uh, penguin. So, the thing that's missing from the Penguin right now, I think, is the crassness, the, the uh, moral ugliness, and the need for power over others. He's just kind of this, like, uh, foppish dude with an umbrella who steals things. Yeah. Joker is interesting. So, I, there's this particular thing that I want to call out. So, I think that the this is a version of the Joker that shows up in modern media, uh, specifically the crown, uh, clown prince aspect. But, I think there's actually bits that have been carved out hmm. and to make the modern version. Specifically, this version has this highbrow theater knowledge, like the the aspiration to be tragic, whether yeah. he is or not. Yeah. Uh, but that, like, self-consciously wanting to be tragic. Uh, specifically, like, the highbrow nature of it, the Joker references uh, Bocinella. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, and I apologize. Uh, who is a Comedia dell'arte character. And just, just I'm going to read this description because it fits some versions of the Joker really damned well. This just juxtaposition of proud, cunning thief from the upper classes and loud, crass pervert from the servant class is one that is key to understanding Pulcinella's behavior. Yeah. There's a point where he's ranting and he mentions uh, um, an Americanized version of the name of Pulcinella. Fun fact, uh, Pulcinella is also, like, if you distill it, if you, if you simplify it grossly down into one version of that character... It's Punch from Punch and Judy. Yep. And then Clayface is not Clayface. Well, he's movie-themed, which is kind of Clayface's gimmick. Basil Carlo was a, was a famous movie star. Okay, I'm, then... I'm thinking of one of the other versions of Clayface. It's sort of yeah. the one that I was most familiar with. The, the original version of Clayface is a movie star who has an accident that gives him clay powers. <laughs> I'm gloss over that. Um... But he's he's a movie star and loses his job and uses the clay to like change oh. how he looks so he can be a movie and then it okay. just goes wrong and he becomes a criminal. So yeah, okay. I mean, that, that, that's spot on for that then. Yeah, right. it just he just in this instance is using a mask and is not really mm. like have clay powers. But I'm gonna give that a pass right. because nobody yeah. has powers pretty much like that. All right, so there's that, uh, and now I'm gonna go through fun observations. Yes. All right, and that'll close this out, and then we can do uh, favorite what we're enjoying right now and stuff. Right. We talked about this uh, not on air, but we need to get a copy of this at one point. There are Batman and the Monster Men and Batman and the Mad Monk miniseries out there. I need those. We need that absolutely. That will make a good. That will make a very enjoyable episode. For those of you who want to know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the first couple of episodes of Batman. And I think that was the, literally the first. Literally I think both first. of those were in it. First and second, if anything. Yeah. Yes. Volume four, page twenty-six. Uh, there's a mention. Uh, so. Wong, the unofficial mayor of Chinatown's father, that whole storyline uh, involves a descendant of Genghis Khan, mm -hmm. uh, and they mentioned something about the, uh, like, in in 1203, uh, 
he had already Genghis Khan had already conquered the Middle East and uh, China, and there was the forging of the ring. Uh, by twelve oh three, Genghis Khan had not actually finished uniting. He hadn't even finished uniting the tribes of Central Asia, let alone conquering the Middle East or China. <laughs> that being said. Neither of those two accomplishments would take too much longer after that. Uh, snake charming. <laughs> that, that did happen with a harmonica. <laughs> so I did, like, this is all, like, Wikipedia research, so not highly scientific. However, it's not actually charming, and it's not actually from the music. Uh, the snakes can't hear in a particular way that makes that into music. Uh, the snake is raised up in a defensive posture. So... Charming a snake is holding an object out that it fixates on as a possible threat, the flute, and partly by, like, moving the flute around, you're keeping a constant state of defensiveness, swaying slightly to match the way the flute is swaying. So it just looks, it looks charmed. It's actually, like, I don't know if I want to attack, but I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. It's ready to throw down. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, hmm. but but there are also issues with the way that some charmers treat their snakes mm. like the whole point is it's not attacking in part because it knows that's a bad idea like attacking something hard is not smart right. and it's learned that by attacking frequently and some snake uh some snake charmers who are bad people will uh make themselves safer from the snake by pulling the teeth mm. uh some snake charmers will also not feed their snakes because it's cheaper to find more snakes than to feed your snakes hmm. so there's apparently a reasonably widespread issues among snake charmers and yeah. that's rough on a lighter note uh i propose that from now on uh we use for the phrase king's ransom uh we use king richard the lionheart's ransom mm -hmm. which was 100,000 pounds of silver which at, modern, which at modern prices would be around $2.3 million. It's not bad. Yeah, no. I, I'm fully in favor of a King's Ransom being like nothing from now on. Yeah. I mean, realistically, at that point, it was worth a lot more. 100,000 pounds of silver was probably an awful fucking lot. However, yeah. from now on, you have a number for whenever anyone says a King's Ransom. 2.3 million. Yep. Uh... This is actually getting back to writing a bit. Not so much quality. It's just, it's interesting how Bill Finger's writing mashes in elements from all ends of the spectrum. Uh, I was reviewing my notes today, and I just found these two next to each other. Just two notes that I took in succession. One from one issue, one from the next. But immediate one, and then the next. Back to back. Just to show how much tone can whiplash. Interesting reference on page 151. Robin starts reciting a poem about a French boy on a burning ship in the Napoleonic Battle of the Nile, where the boy holds to his post even as the ship burns and eventually blows up around him. Joker with a duck snorkel, oh god, yes. Yes, the duck snorkel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one last bit, uh, fun observation. So we mentioned the ghost bandits. We did mention the ghost bandits. So I, this might just be like... Uh, shared etymology, like something before this that both of these are references to, uh, because the idea is absolutely the same. The Ghost Division mm. was a thing in World War II. Uh, specifically, it was Erwin Rommel's uh, Panzer Division. because They were known as the Ghost Division because by the time anyone like radioed in their position, they were already gone and passed. Uh, there's actually a very enjoyable Sabaton. Sabaton? I think that's the name of the band. Uh, Swedish power metal uh, 
about them. Hmm. And if you want to feel conflicted about listening to really good power metal about a That's German it. division, you can do that. All right. So what are you enjoying right now? Well, I already kind of went into it a little bit, but um, Detective Comics right now for Rebirth is, is really good. It shows a Batman that is emotionally intelligent and understands when things are important, who also is vulnerable um not so much like emotionally but physically he he loses he has challenges there are challenges for batman and i appreciate that um not to mention the inclusion of uh kate kane his his cousin who is now in charge of training the team of orphan red robin spoiler and clayface basil carlo it's kind of a neat little batman centric teen titans thing and it's cool um a lot of new characters it doesn't focus solely on batman it shows the strength of batwoman it's good i think it's actually really good it, it does a good justice to the batwoman character that i didn't normally see and i would highly recommend it to people who want a batman book that is not just brooding highly recommend it nice i'm gonna start with an anti-recommendation uh i wrapped this up uh when i we were about to record uh, the episode with Koi, which you should go listen to, by the way. Yes, yes. Uh, Civil War Two was garbage. <laughs> uh, although, uh, the reason I bring it up is because I'm going to be really disappointed if they didn't like telegraph the ending of uh, uh, Secret Empire, because mm. like one of the whole things is Ulysses has a vision about uh, Miles Morales holding a dead uh or having killed uh steve rogers on the steps of the capitol building it's like man if that doesn't actually wind up being how secret empire ends i'm gonna be sad yeah that's like it won't redeem it but it will at least be a good point in the series yeah and and, and also just like it felt like at a certain point civil war Two. Like, it's justification for existing at the end of that sequence. At, at the end of the series was, uh, there's some weird, there's some stuff coming down the line. Yeah. Uh, and actually, like, there were a couple pages of, like, is this actually supposed to be, like, a splash page of an upcoming storyline? Which could be interesting. I mean, the story was garbage, but that could be interesting. Hmm. But what I will recommend is Doom's Arcade Mode. <laughs> yeah. The 2016 Doom game is awesome, and the arcade mode really does a nice job of really for pushing you towards uh, being really, really good at it. Nice. So, very much enjoying that. All right. I think that will do us for this episode. We will do more Batman next time. So, uh, have a good rest of your day. We love you all, and we will see you next time. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, dcdetectivepodcast.com. The picture was becoming clearer. With these new villains and even new writers, Batman seemed to be more himself than ever before. However, he looked tired. The monotony of Daring Do clearly showed in the frayed edges of the cape and the scuffed boots. He and Robin had found their voice, but they were getting hoarse. We decided to stay a while longer, and see just how this shook out for the dynamic duo. Hell, we owed them that much.